been away for a couple weeks while Sam was on vacation, but we are back on a beautiful night for baseball. We got the Mets winning, much to Sham's pleasure. We got the Arizona Diamondbacks playing out in Oakland, and we have a whole slate of other games. So as usual during the season, we'll be watching. We'll be letting you know what's going on when we see something interesting. Um, but we have a super interesting episode planned for you today. Unfortunately, Sam got a little out of pocket on Twitter and told you, promised you something that wasn't coming. Sam, do you want to fess up? Yeah, so we, Aaron and I had discussed maybe doing our, our under 25 player rankings at the time. Fernando Tatis Jr. was absolutely raking. Juan Soto was absolutely raking. And we just, we were still excited about all the young talents in baseball. We're like, let's talk about these guys. But then we realized we've been away for a couple weeks. There's so much news to talk mm-hmm. about. So much baseball to talk about, a little basketball to talk about. We're going to talk about what happened in the NBA bubble, the start of the NBA playoffs. So there was just so much we needed to talk about that we're going to push those under-25 rankings to next week's episode. Uh, We promise they're coming. And they're going to be great, too. They're not just coming. They're going to be excellent. But for now, what we're basically going to do is we're going to cover a little bit of news related to the game uh, of baseball. We're going to discuss the NBA bubble. But then we're just going to dive into what's happening in the Major League season, the real nitty-gritty. We're going to talk about some surprising teams, both good and bad, whether we think these performances are real or not. We're going to talk about a lot of surprising player performances, whether we think they're going to continue, whether they're real or not. And then finally, Aaron and I are both going to give you our top 10 MLB power rankings for teams right now. Uh, I'm currently watching the Mets booth uh, put... M&M's, ridiculous. M&M's across on a clothesline? They're sliding each other peanut M&M's on a clothesline. Um, but Sam's right. We just have a jam-packed episode, and we need to get right into it if we're going to keep you guys under time. So let's start off with some IL news. So many people coming off, going on. Um, we got DJ LeMahieu, who currently is mashing the ball. You're going to hear a lot more about him later on the episode. He's to the IL this week with a left thumb sprain, leaving my fantasy lineup looking a little thinner than usual. And wow, it's just it's a repeat of 2019 for the Yankees with just every player on the roster going on the IL. Exactly. But actually, on the flip side for the Yankees, the role Chapman finally coming off for COVID. He got his first negative test, uh, I think, three or four weeks ago now, but he finally got his second one and is ready to go. So he came off the DL today. Um, unfortunately for Sam DeGrom, scratch from his last start. No IL or DL sending yeah, we're, yet. But... We're, we're hoping it's just a one-start thing. He complained of some neck tightness. Uh, he says he thinks it's only going to be one start. He threw a bullpen today. I haven't heard how it's gone yet, but there are no, no alarming reports yet. Mm-hmm. So so hopefully he's, he's back out there in his next start. I think everybody, all baseball fans, got to hope that. That is yeah. probably the best pitcher, I, second best pitcher I, I in baseball. Actually, um, D- Dan Zimborski, the creator of Zips, wrote an article on Fangraphs earlier this week basically talking about if you remove one player from a team, how much do their playoff odds go down? And DeGrom was the most important player in baseball, basically, by that metric. The Mets' playoff odds went down the most of any team for a single player being removed. Easy to believe, I yeah. think. Um so Tommy Pham, a little bit more serious of an injury. He's four to six weeks now with a broken hamate bone. Did it while uh, swinging at a nasty junior Garrett pitch in the uh, D-backs game yesterday. And he was looking good. He was like looking an, pretty like good. Like an yeah. important piece. He was looking pretty good. Um, Bo Bichette headed to the 10-day. Felt something in his knee, whatever that means. 
Um, Acuna and Albies both going down. Albies, of course, out since August 4th with a wrist injury. But Acuna just hits the DL over the weekend and, with uh, left wrist inflammation. Yeah, a lot of injuries from the Braves because Soroka also tore his Achilles and is out for the season. I know I've, I've been criticizing Soroka yeah. on the podcast in the past, but of course... I still think he's a good young pitcher. Never want to see this. You never want to happen. see any player go yeah. down, especially with such a horrific injury. So, um, of course, we're hoping that Soroka's back on the hill soon. Um, a guy who probably will be back on the hill soon, Madison Bumgarner, as a D-backs fan. Do, do you want him back on the hill? Keep him on the <laughs> IL. I swear to God, watching him give up like seven home runs in four innings to the Rockies last weekend. Yeah, I, I don't remember if we discussed this on the podcast or just with each other. But I really told you I did not like the Bumgarner yeah, signing. Yeah, no, I know. They paid a similar amount to what the Phillies paid for Wheeler, and oh boy, does it not look great. Yeah, it's pretty. It's been pretty brutal, but uh, we're holding out hope. So Strasburg, ten day IL on Saturday with carpal tunnel. That's unusual. Yeah, and he he of course didn't even pitch to start the season. So it's after one or, or only two starts. Not a great way to start his uh, no. his contract extension with the Nats, and it's you know. We we'd been talking before the season uh, about how like this NL East was like a stacked division, but like literally everyone in this division is getting injured. It's all beat it's up. It looks pretty bad right now. Yeah. Um, a guy who's looked pretty good, but has just uh, headed to the injured list is Edwin Rios of the Dodgers. This is a guy who kind of came out of nowhere um, as Luke Voigt blasts his seventh home run of the season for the Yankees to take the lead here. Um, over 31 ABs in 14 games. He's already knocked three homers, doing about one homer per 10 ABs. And he's got a 171 WRC+, plus, so small sample size. But this guy can clearly like, hit. He showed of, it in the minors, of, too. Of course, if any team just does not need to worry about injuries, it is the Dodgers. Right. And they haven't even been that injured, but they've had some really puzzling poor performances early. And again, those are going to be on our Real or Not segment, so you better stick with us. Um, so that is big IL news. Now let's talk about a different kind of unavailability, COVID opt-outs. Sam, just take this whole segment because the only important COVID opt-outs since our last episode are both up in Queens right now. Yeah, so of course, the, the first one that we need to talk about is this bizarre Yoenis Cespedes opt-out where basically the way the news went, and this was the first day of my vacation, so I was always oh, looking yeah. at it. Welcome to vacation. Yeah. So first, you know, the game's going on and the Mets release a statement that Cespedes didn't show up to the ballpark. No one knows where he is. They sent a team to his hotel room. He wasn't there. And at this point, you know, we're worried something bad has happened. Mm -hmm. Like, is Yoannis Cespedes okay? You know, this it's ringing of the Tyler Skaggs news last year. So, so I was, I was, you know, I was nervous. I was very scared. Um, and then you hear like sort of a few hours later that, no, Cespedes had just decided to opt out, not tell anybody. He just left. There were some rumblings that he was, like, unhappy and had been saying that to other players. That's unclear to me why that would be the case. Was he expecting... He was expecting to play every day. I believe that 100%. He, <laughs> like, realized that he was only going to play three or four days a week tops. But, but, like, they were letting him DH almost every day anyway. So it's like... The idea that he would be upset that he wouldn't I feel DH like, every day, it's I feel like bizarre. through the first seven games, he only played four or five. Yeah, maybe five. 
Yeah. And, I mean, that fits with my perception of him, and it kind of fits with my idea of what he's got going on. Obviously, I feel awful if I'm wrong, but that is the impression that I got from the outside. The second guy I do not feel the same way about, um, although Sam did float a conspiracy theory to me earlier. The second <laughs> guy is Marcus Stroman, um, who just opted out. Sam, why don't you tell the listeners another possible reason for the opt-out outside of potential health concerns? Uh, well, well, I will say before I get to that, as far as Cespedes opting out goes, it has not hurt the Mets as a team at all. In fact, it's allowed Dom Smith to basically play mm-hmm. every day, which has been a godsend. Dom Smith has something like a 200 WRC plus right now. He's been absolutely on fire. Um, so from that perspective, it, the Cespedes opt-out has not hurt the Mets. Now this other opt-out, Marcus Stroman, has hurt the Mets a lot because their pitching staff behind DeGrom is hot garbage with Stroman out. Um, Stroman... I mean, even with Stroman in, that pitching staff is already looking thin from yeah, what we've seen that, this season. No, that's that's certainly true, but it's it's much more passable. Um, but, okay, Stroman opts out. Uh, he was... He, you know, he had not pitched at all during the season because of a, of a strained calf. Uh, by all accounts, he was ready to come back soon, uh, but he decided to opt out, claiming um, he had... He, you know, basically his mind had changed. It was a family decision. You know, I'm not I'm not angry about it. You know, it's obviously in his purview, his ability to opt out. I will say the timing was a bit weird, uh, considering that it was very soon after he had sort of been on the major league roster long enough to uh, qualify for enough service time to become a free agent next year. So I think it, it's quite possible that Stroman, sort of after getting injured to start the season, said, I have nothing to gain going into my free agency year, going back, maybe still being a little hurt, mm-hmm. not pitching to my best. It could hurt my contract. So why don't I just opt out once I have time to become a free agent? You know, I think that's totally plausible. I'm not going to fault him for that. Teams play with player service time considerations all the time. Right. You know, not calling a guy up because their defense isn't ready, but really so they have an extra year of control. So, of course... The players are going to have to do what they can within the system. But, you know, if that is the case, it's unfortunate. He was an important piece to the Mets this year. Yeah, and uh, and their pitching staff is thin behind him. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, and, and and another sort of another trade that I, I, I don't think it's quite fair to criticize the Mets for this trade. But at the end of the day, they gave away really two good pitching prospect arms for, for, 11, for 11 games of, of Stroman. Oh, of Strowman. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. They, they gave up Anthony Kay, uh, who's already sort of like a major league reliever and could be a starter. Yeah, but like to yeah. to, for, to criticize them for that is to say that they knew that COVID was going to go on. and Oh, like, yeah. Which is why I say like I, I don't criticize them for this at all. But just like sort of with, with 2020 hindsight, like this didn't work out. Right. So to round out our news, let's take a quick look in at the current COVID situation in baseball. So when we last you left, when we last you left, when we left you last, (laughs) the Marlins had an outbreak going on. They're back. They're playing out of their minds for their actual skill level. And it seems like there's been a bit of a change, uh, in my opinion, in their clubhouse culture. I say as I watch uh, a Marlins runner lead off a first base wearing a mask. Um, And... So let's kind of move on from them. We've talked about them. The big one that we haven't seen, the big two, would be the Cardinals and the Indians. So the Cardinals were out for 19 days 
We talked about them on our last podcast two weeks ago, saying there were some rumors that they were out in a casino and they were violating protocol. Well, next thing you know, they have a bunch of guys testing positive for COVID and they cannot get their levels down to playable until two, uh, no, sorry, until like Friday, I think. Yeah. Um, they go and they play a doubleheader against the Sox. Uh, they play two more single headers for a four. Uh, oh, sorry, one more single header for a three-game series. They win two of those. They come into Chicago today on the north side, and they are about to sweep the doubleheader if they can get out of this sixth-inning jam. Currently, the Cubs have runners on the corners with two gone. Scores four to two Cardinals. Um, but what I can say is they've looked really good. Um, I don't know if there's been a change in clubhouse culture. It's impossible to tell, um, especially in this distance. But what you can say is that what they, show, what they showed us is really scary. They showed us that teams, if they don't start to change their perspective, can get in a mentality that can endanger themselves as a team and can endanger teams around them. And for me, most importantly, can endanger the rest of this baseball season. Yeah, because I think the Cardinals at this point, they're they're not going to play 60 games. They're no, they're not, not even planning on They're planning on 50 games or something in something like 48 days with a bunch of doubleheaders. Yeah, and at this point, they're then going to have to decide things like, you know, wild card or, or divisional playoffs because I'm sure the Cardinals are going to be in the thick of this thing. I'm sorry. Speaking of the Cardinals, David Bodie, that's a three-run home run to take the lead with two outs in the sixth off of Joe Webb. Could not locate that pitch, and uh, next thing you know, the Cubbies got the lead. Sorry, continue. Wow, yeah. So, but but as I said, they're now going to have to decide tiebreakers not on record, but on winning percentage. I hate it. And these things are going to get weird. Uh, and definitely people are going to be upset. Yeah. The team that, because inevitably now I feel like there's going to be somebody who goes into the playoffs on winning percentage. And the team that gets left out with more wins is going to be pretty upset. Yeah, of course, because they're also a team that followed the protocols and stayed healthy. Yeah, and it cost them in the season. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of uproar about that. The other team who's not as threatening, I think, to the game, but their conduct still shows that the proper player attitude has not permeated all levels of the game yet, is in the Indians camp. You saw uh, earlier last week, you had Zach Plezak, who started the season really, really well. Yeah, look, was just looking like he was going to have a breakout season. Looking great. He goes out to meet some friends one night uh, when the Indians are playing an away game. And Mike Clevenger goes to meet him at the event or at the gathering later. Um, the team finds out they're really upset. They voluntarily put them on the restricted list as kind of like a timeout punishment. And now they just activated him last Friday and sent him to the alternate training camp. What I like about this situation, Sam is that reportedly the Indians players were very upset. I, yeah, I think Oliver Perez basically said, if these guys are still on the team, I'm opting out. He did, and then yeah. he walked that back. So I, this is the thing about the Indians, though, who also uh, will get some more airtime later. And one thing to note about the Indians is that Carlos Carrasco recently recovered from leukemia. Right. So, so this, oh my God, so this I forgot is, about this that. This is a teammate of theirs who's in a high-risk situation, and so you'd really expect them to be even more responsible yeah. than other teams. Wow, I forgot about that. That's a great point, Sam. Um, it is the thing about the Indians, though, is that whether it's Francona or Ancelotti or whoever it is who has the reins there, um, they do a great job of keeping this team together and moving them forward no matter what. So they have years where, like this year, Sam, you're like, they really don't have a good team. And you look at them on paper and they really don't have a good team. 
But what are they doing? And they're they're thirteen and nine. Like, but, but of course, you know, I would say Plesak and Clevenger are a big part of that. Yeah, they're so good that like I don't see how the Indians, if they like compare about competitiveness at all, keep them down for that long. Although, yeah, they can't. They can't. Re- really like props to them for doing it because it's like it is at the expense of their competitive yeah uh, of like their their competition in in the league and like these are two really good mm-hmm. players and you don't especially see clevenger anymore. obviously uh but you know I, yeah the, the players were really mad these guys you know i i think what the what the players really cared about was like clevenger especially lying to them after yeah about what happened uh but yeah the, the you know what you gotta remember about these guys is they're sort of in their 20s they're they're not that responsible. Uh, you know, some of them might not think COVID's that big of a deal. Yeah. They don't care if they get it. So, you know, some of these guys are going to be selfish. And, you know, we need to figure out a way to get them to not to Incentivize be... Incentivize them to not be yeah. selfish. Exactly. Um, and so we'll keep you up to date on that. That's the news around the league right now. Guys, it has been amazing watching baseball every day. I know you all feel the same way. Um, we're going to keep coming at you with all the hits, but we are also keeping our eye on one more, uh, sphere, so to speak of the sports world, little pun there. And that sphere is the NBA bubble. Yeah. And I, you know, the NBA of course is doing a much better job combating COVID than the MLB because of this bubble atmosphere, but they had eight final, which of course, let's be fair, is only made possible by the relative roster sizes. No, yeah, of course. And space you need to play. Those are the two big things we've talked about in the past. But, but, you know, there there was an exciting end to the regular season, eight games for every team in the bubble, and because of the play-in tournament that was put in where the ninth seed was within four games of the eighth seed, there were a lot of teams competing for that final playoff spot made for in the Western Conference, made for a really exciting end to the season. Exciting for who, Sam? Exciting for for a lot of teams, and and including your sons. I mean, who would until have thought- they until they didn't make it <laughs> without losing a game? They won every single game and they didn't make it. Tell me how that's fair. These guys went out, they played <laughs> their little Phoenician tokuses off, and at the end of the day, they got nothing to show for it. T.J. Warren, Devin Booker. Out of their mind. Well, no, they, maybe if they had kept T.J. Warren. Oh, sorry, sorry, fine. sorry. <laughs> uh, T.J. Warren did play out of his mind, but he did it for the Pacers yeah, yeah. and not for the Suns. Uh, no, I mean, Devin Booker looked absolutely legit. The Suns went 8-0. Now, do I think it's unfair that they didn't make it? No, they they sucked <laughs> they suck during the rest of the regular season. But, you know, as a Suns fan, as a team that's building for the future with young talent, you got to be pumped by what you I'm, saw there. I'm feeling really good about it. And, and Devin Booker looked like the guy... Who's not just like, Scoring. oh, he's a developing young yeah. star. He's a deve- he's like a borderline superstar in this league. And now Phoenix has to think about we want to get Devin Booker to stay because Draymond Green was sort of on you know mm-hmm. inside the NBA on TNT said you got to get Devin Booker out of Phoenix. Now this was when they were only maybe one and zero or two and zero in the bubble before they went eight and zero. I think Draymond got fined for tampering. The, really? Yeah, Did the, the idiot that he is. Because the NBA but, is a yeah. well-run organization, yeah. and that's just obvious tampering. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you, I feel good about it, but um, I'm also worried. I mean, the Suns have not had a good or run organization in recent years. They used to. The uh, the owners and the GM at the helm now uh, really don't do the same type of job, and so I'm worried. No, they're, they're, they've largely been the laughing stock of the NBA 
yeah. along with the Knicks for, yeah. and the Kings for, for the... Why are our teams so similar? Like, weekend. the Knicks yeah. and the Suns actually are pretty similar, and the D-backs and the Mets are pretty similar coming yeah. into the last number of seasons. Um, but another guy I want to talk about, because I love this guy um, always, but what he's done in the bubble has been comical. It's been video game. And that's Dame Lillard. Oh, so, what a legend. Playing up in Portland, Dame Lillard, who, by the way, one time picked my friend Mike Wong's shoe design to wear on the court. So shout out. No way. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't it's know true. that. Um, at shout out China Boy Tell Him on Twitter if you're looking for him. Um, and Dame has looked unbelievable. In the last six games in the bubble, he went in terms of points 45, 22, 51, 61, 42, 31. And the 51, 61, 42, Sam, to get him in. Yeah, three straight wins to get the eighth seed. This was after the game before missing uh, two free throws at the end of the game against the Clippers and getting clowned by Paul George and um, and Patrick Beverly. Uh, Dame Lillard was pissed about this. You know, He's went, a competitor. Yeah, he's a competitor. Went off in an after-game interview saying, I've knocked both of them out of the playoffs. Like, what right do they have to be laughing at me? And let's just say he took it personally. Went absolutely off, basically single-handedly, along with great performances from Yusuf Nurkic, CJ McCollum, dragged the Blazers into that eighth seed, mm-hmm. won the playoff game, play in-game against the Grizzlies. I, I believe after a 61-point game, Dame is caught mouthing on television. Put some respect on my motherfucking name. <laughs> and, and, and I really... No, but I, I get it, like... Obviously, everyone knows Dame Lillard's a great player, but, like, he's literally ascending to, like, close to Curry territory now with the way he's just, like, hitting logo threes at, like, an insane clip. Okay, but in fairness to him, he's been overlooked for so long. Like, everyone's been like, yeah, you know, Dame's a top five point guard in the league or whatever. But Dame has always... A, had a clutch gene. You can tell me it doesn't exist and that it's unquantifiable. No, but I, I think it's a thing in basketball. Dame is just yeah. disgusting when he needs to be. But also, he's an incredible playmaker. He's an incredible distributor. Like He is just really, really solid. Uh, by the way, in this Mets game, it looks like we have a uh, position player pitching about to happen. We got someone warming up in the pen. Um, but I, I love seeing him go off like this. And I, I'm finally getting to the last dance right now. And I'll tell you, this smells a little bit like Jordan. The personal insults leading to the fire, it just has that has that same tinge. And he has that same level, obviously. I will say, like, I, him, I, I think Dame at his core is, is a better person than Michael Jordan. Well, that's not a very high bar, <laughs> yeah. I don't think. No, I think, Dame, I think Dame's a great guy. I, think he's I a, agree. I think he's a great star for the league. And one thing that I really respect about Dame is sort of in the era of, like, stars constantly changing teams, you know. And, like, trying to find the best, yeah, like, hunt, environment. Basically, hunting rings. Yeah. Dame has been loyal to Portland. He's like, I love this city. I'm yeah. staying here. I want to get it done here. 100%. And, and, and like, I think he, he continues to get better every year. I think there's legit an argument for him being, like, a top five player in the in the league right now. Top ten, definitely. Yeah. Like, he, he's insane. And, you know... That brings me into another point about, you know, going into the playoffs, which I'm crazy excited about. Like, I think the NBA playoffs is is arguably one of the best playoffs there is. In, I would agree. In, they, they're so excited. In, front of, in terms of major sports. Um, but the two number one seeds, the Bucks and the Lakers, both, you know, kind of struggled in the bubble. Now, do I have worries about them? Not necessarily. You know, they're probably, like, already booking – 
ahead that they're the number one seed. Thinking well, but about I could be worried about the Lakers because they play Portland and because I've well, seen Dame ice people out before. That, that, that's the point I, I wanted to make about the Lakers and spe- specifically is that this is not your typical eight seed. This is a team that unlocked an entire new level with Nurkic coming back from mm-hmm. injury and Nurkic wasn't playing it all before before the restart. Yep. And if Dame if Dame goes God mode like he did at the end of the bubble, like I don't think they're going to beat the Lakers, but like it could It's not a foregone conclusion. Yeah, it, it, it could as far as eight one matchups go, like this is as close as it gets. Charles Barkley, Chuck, one of the great men on television predicted a win for the Trailblazers. I'm not saying that's gonna happen. Chuck's not exactly good at predictions. He's more of a he's more of a, a guru, I'd say. But uh by the way, if any of you out there are wondering why Miguel Andujar doesn't have more at-bats this season, go back and watch the ball he misplays in the top of the fifth of this Boston-New York game. Truly the worst thing I've seen since Eloy Jimenez last week, um, and that's saying something. On the East, though, I do agree with you. The Bucks are just going to run through the magic. There's just no scenario yeah. in my mind where that goes any other way. The other series I'm really keeping my eye on, Sam, and again, I love all these. I'm going to watch all of them. I love the Rockets and the Thunder getting matched up. Yeah. Just because you have Harden and Westbrook back together, but not in OKC. Against Chris Paul, who was traded from the Rockets last it year. Is, yeah. It is just an amazing amount of synergy in that game. And I like and, the Rockets. And, and Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook are about, about as like catty as oh, it gets. Oh, yeah. As it, when it comes to like basketball players. So, like... I um, like the Rockets, but I love Chris Paul, and I want to see the Thunder sneak this series out. I think that would be a lot of fun. I, I, I really like both of these teams. I, I like what will always root for the Rockets to win a championship because I love Daryl Morey, and I love that they were the only team that was willing to say, like, fuck you, Golden State. We're going to try to beat you. Yeah. And, like, because of that, like, I'm just going to keep rooting for them. I, 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 I understand people who sort of see the Rockets as, like, breaking basketball, playing a style they don't mm-hmm. like. But I, I love James Harden. Like, I think I think he's incredibly fun to watch. Yeah, he is the most fun to watch. Yeah, so... Let's and, round and, this out. And, and, and let me just say, yeah. Pete Alonso just got on base for his fifth time today. Two home runs, a single, two walks. That's something you love to see for a guy who's really been struggling at the plate this year. Something you don't love to see is the D-backs loading the bases with two outs um, and getting nothing from it. Uh, Cole Calhoun, a little ground out. Um, let's pick the finals and who wins it. I'll go first. All right. I have the Clips matching up against the Bucks, but I have the Clips winning it all. I actually have the, the same finals as you. Yeah? But I have the Bucks winning. You got the Bucks winning. All right. I'm somewhat financially incentivized to uh, <laughs> to pick that, as I, as I mentioned last week, that I have some money on that. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going with the Bucks winning it. Okay, let's go some real or not, Sam. I'm going to fire teams at you. This is a bit of a surprise. I kept it a surprise intentionally because I want your honest reaction, okay? Right. I'm going to fire some teams and their records at you. You tell me if it's real or if it's not. And, and by if, real or not, basically, I'm saying, like, you know... They're going to continue in, roughly in this vein, or they're going to seriously regress in the opposite direction. Okay. Oh, well, not necessarily regress, but they're seriously going to play the rest of their games in a different way. Okay. Um, and if you feel strongly about any of them, feel free to say a few words. I will. The Rockies are currently 13-8. and eight, Real or not? Not. Yeah. Uh, although I will say that, like, this is not a case of a team getting lucky to be 13-8. and eight. 
they've legit played well this year. Yeah, for sure. But I'm which I which I I do want to make a distinction between. But I don't think they are this good. Like I think the their players will come back down to right. Earth. I think their hitting is real. As I mentioned to Sam earlier, if you look at their two through five. You have Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, who for a long time has been the best hitter in baseball this season, uh, Arenado, and then Daniel Murphy, who, yeah, had a really off year last year, but is still a professional hitter hitting in but course. Yeah, I don't think there's much depth in that lineup. and That's that's true. Yeah. Especially when, if, if, when if, McMahon and Dahl are playing like if, if anything, I'm more If anything, I'm more... Uh... I'm more optimistic about like the pitching overperforming a bit more going. Through. Oh no, I, I think the pitchers are coming back down to earth like as soon as yesterday. But we'll have to see. Let's look at the Marlins at nine and six. Real or not? Not. Yeah. Uh, and I will say this is actually an issue. This is a combination of this team is not good, and also they're a bit lucky to be nine and six. If you actually look at at their base runs expected record at six and nine, yeah, which is more in line with what you'd expect the Marlins to be, and of course they're currently losing ten to ten to. And two. this is such a small sample size; it's crazy we're talking about it. But here in you know twenty twenty, it's legit. Um, and let's talk about the Orioles twelve and nine, real or not, as Rizzo doubles to put a runner on second in the top of the seven. So I'll say the Orioles are more in line with the Rockies in that they've they've legit played well. They haven't they? they? They've legit played well, and I think they're more much more real than the Marlins. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs mainly. Well, you know they they they're not going to get top two in the alleys because no, the Yankees yeah, and Rays no. are. I, I honestly could see them contending for that seventh or eighth seed. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think they're going to get it, but like I think if you're an Orioles fan, like you're gonna have, you know, something to root for up to the last day of the season. Definitely, and I'm shocked to hear you say that because I thought I was gonna come at you with a hot take, but I agree 100. percent You watch, and they're playing good baseball. Brandon Hyde is actually using their bullpen correctly, which is insane. He's they have good relievers with good stuff in the pen. Like I, I mean, no, they're probably not going to make the playoffs, but I definitely give them more of a tip of the cap than the Marlins, and I I do equate them to the Rockies in that sense. What about the Red Sox at six and sixteen? I mean, like they're not this bad, but they're also they're not good. Like no, they're not six and sixteen bad, but like the pitching is just. Especially with with Colin McHugh not playing this season, like yeah, the the pitching is just so. And abs- David, oh David Price, the Dodger, yeah, it, it's pretty bad. I also see them as more of a five hundred team, so I'm not. not I'm going to say not on this. Also, um, this one hurts me. The Angels are seven and fifteen. Yeah, but uh, the Angels, I think, are a much better team than this, and they're a team that I think, in fact, has gotten quite unlucky to be this bad. If you actually look at their base runs expected record. It's 11 and 11. So we're talking about a team that is really playing sort of on a, on a talent level. Sorry, not on a talent level, but on a performance level so far. Account, accounting team, for sequence, yeah. they should be something like a 500 team as opposed to this team that, that that's really struggling at 7 and 15. Now, I think they've probably dug themselves in a pretty deep hole. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. That's the nature of a 60-game season, yeah. and, and you hate to see it because Trout's raking – Rendon is raking. Yeah. Uh, and, and, of course, Dylan Bundy is shoving. Yeah, and we're going to talk about Dylan Bundy at, in our Real or Not Player yeah. segment, I think, because he's definitely worth talking about. Um, so I unfortunately agree that this makes it almost impossible for them to make the playoffs only because they're in the AL West. So, like, I think a 7-15 and 15 team in the Central right now could potentially snag the second spot. 
Um, I think they even could in the West, especially in the West, actually. But in the East. They're in the West. Oh, sorry. Yes, sorry. In the NLEs. Or the ALEs. Um, Oh, my God. No, they could not in the ALEs. I just lost my mind there for a second. But they could in the Central. um, But I don't think they can in the West. So um, that actually brings us to the best record in baseball. Are the A's at 16-6 and this good? Well, are they 16-6 and good? No, but they're insanely good. They're really good. I mean, you know, they have so much star power in terms of, like, players who are stars but, like, aren't necessarily thought of it as. But, like, Chapman, Simeon, uh, Mark... Olsen. Olsen, Mark Canna. Ramon Laureano in his own way. Laureano. um, Liam Hendricks is a shutdown. And then then the pitching looks legit. And we're talking about Frankie Montas. We're talking about Jesus Lissardo. They still have got A.J. Puck in in their back pocket as well. Like, they're a really good team. It's a really good team. Um, What about the Nats at 8 and 11? I mean, with, with with the... with the Strasburg injury, I and think the Scherzer injury. I mean, and, he's not pitching right now. But you know, he pitched last night. Oh, he did. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But that was his first one back. He he pitched against. It was his second game back. I second think. Game he back. had pitched against the Mets as well. Um, but yeah, um, with the Strasburg injury, I, I I think it's real. The the lineup's bad. I, I mean, agree. I, I agree mean, with you. Juan Soto is otherworldly good, but outside of him. The lineup, well, last year, Cabrera, of course. Yeah, and Howie Kendrick, actually. The lineup is is tough. Um, the pitching without Strasburg is really tough. Anibal Sanchez can't get a guy out this Oh, he, he is complete garbage. Yeah, he's totally lost it. Um, and I agree. I think this is roughly exactly who they are. Yeah. Um, what about, I have just one more here. What about the Mets at 9 and 14? Yeah, so... Uh... <laughs> Are the Mets this bad? No, they're not. And 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 by base runs, they should be eleven and twelve. They 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 lead the league in on base percentage. They lead the league in in hits, in walks, in hit by pitches. They're getting runners on base. They're they're not driving people in. So I don't think that is like a inherent problem. I think it's a bit of bad luck. Now the pitching, the starting staff is it's a train wreck. You know, with Stroman opting out. The Syndergaard injury. Mm-hmm. DeGrom missed his last start. Waka now gets injured uh, with shoulder inflammation, goes on the IL. I was really expecting a good season out of Steven Matz. I don't, I don't know what's gone wrong with him. But it hasn't looked good. It's looked terrible. Porcello, I actually think, has gotten a, a bit unlucky. I think he, he's... I think Porcello is the least of their issues right now. I don't know why they decided to spot start Walker Lockett instead of Franklin Kilame, who's doing a pretty good job in relief for them right now. When when Degrom couldn't go, uh, Walker Lockett is, as far as I'm concerned, he's not uh, even a major league passable spot starter. Uh, Gazelman looked terrible today, and they were trying to have him fill in for Walker. I think the bullpen at this point is deep enough with. Brock back, Jared Hughes back doing well, mm-hmm. Jason Strieve doing well, uh, Batances looked pretty good in his, in his most recent outing, Edwin Diaz is looking actually remarkable this year after his one blows, blown save early on, and uh, I, I think it's time to give Seth Lugo a chance to get in the, into the rotation. Interesting. Uh, that, could be, that could be an out for them. Um, yeah. 
But we'll I, have to see. Let's, uh, you know, we wanted to go deep into some of these, but in the interest of time, let's keep doing a little bit more rapid fire, okay? So, um, and I'm going to say that and I'm about to, you know, make a small editorial, but the D-backs in the first 11 games were 3-8. and eight. They scored 29 runs, good for second worst in baseball. In the last 11 games, since the first 11 games, they're 8-3 and three with 76 runs scored, which is first in baseball. Which one are they to you, Sam? The first one. Uh, and why? And how can you say that? I Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I've been quoting uh, sort of base runs recently, you know, as we've been going through these teams. The D-backs have been the, the luckiest team in baseball by base runs, four games above their expected record, which is 7-15. and 15. And when we're actually thinking about that, we're literally talking about a team that's been as bad as the Red Sox, the only team they've been better than is the Pirates. When we look at their base runs, expected record. Well, now, but Sam, what you're seeing in <laughs> yeah. that is a bit of luck. What I'm seeing in that, because I'm keeping my eye on the game, of course, as I am right now, course, they're in a 0-0 zero, zero, uh, horn match with the A's here. I see a team that fights every single day, okay? Even when Madison Bumgarner goes out there and gives up seven taters in five innings, what do they do? They come back and they score six in the ninth to make it a one-run game because these guys have fought every day of the season. Their offense was just sleeping. Their pitching was hurting. They turned the offense around. The pitching is slowly coming. And let me tell you something. They've done all this without Eduardo Escobar. Because until last night, Eduardo Escobar had not had a big hit. He barely had a hit. He had one home run. Last night, of course, he hit the game-winning home run, and we love him for that. But when they wake this sleeping giant up, watch out. This lineup's looking good. They play tremendous defense. No one questions that. Zach Gallen is a maestro on the hill with that changeup, as he's currently blaking the A's. Gallen's look good. Gallen's look good. And you know who's looked great? NL Cy Young, Merrill Kelly. <laughs> this guy's got the flow. He's from Arizona. He went over to Korea for a little bit. Now he's back. What's he doing? Straight dealing. He proved it to himself a bit last year, and he's following up. So I, of course, believe the D-backs are much closer to who they've been in the last 11 games. Of course, I don't believe they'll be the best offensive team in baseball for the rest of the season, but I do expect the pitching to improve, and I still believe that the D-backs can take the second spot in this division. Um, so we're just... Well, no, yeah, as, as far as record goes, they're, they're right in the thick of it. But, like, I I, I don't think they're... they're I, I don't think they're quite deserving of their record is all I'm going to say. Although I think they are better than they've played as far as, like, they've played as a 7 yeah, okay. team. You know. So let me ask you a question. Will someone hit 400 this year? I still think the answer is no. But let's run through some of the candidates. I'd say I'd say Charlie Blackman is still the best bet. Look, especially because he's currently at four forty six. Well, he's currently at four forty six, and then the course factor is just the course so factor is huge. He has a four ninety three Babbitt, which is of course insane. But at cores, it's a little less insane. But, but you need to have an insane Babbitt to to bat four hundred. Of course, and all these guys on the list do. So here's the list. Blackman's hitting 446. He's got the 493 BABIP and a 363 XBA. So should he be hitting 446? Probably not, but he's absolutely raking. But I also think XBA doesn't necessarily take into account that he's at cores. Yes, I, I believe you're right. 
Um, DJ LeMayhew, 411 with the 438 BABIP and a 353 XBA. He is no longer at Coors for all of you previous doubters of DJ LeMayhew. Um, Donovan Solano. Although I will say, who are you? With, with the recent LeMayhew injury, you start to question qualifying. For will he Arizona. qualify? That's and, right. And, and to be, uh, we looked this up right before the start of the episode, folks, but you need 3.1 plague appearances per team game to qualify. So for a 60 game season, that will be 186 plague appearances. And that's harder than it seems. Yeah. In a 60 game season, you get injured for 10 games and it's hard to get there. And maybe yeah. after, maybe you only get injured for a few games, but then they do load management. They're taking you out late in games. Yeah. It can be harder than it seems. Um, Donovan Solano, as I mentioned, I'm just curious if you're listening to this podcast, who are you? Where did you come from? <laughs> yeah. And what are you doing? Um, he's hitting 403 with the 475 Babbitt, only a 323 XBA. I don't think he has yeah. a real shot. Yeah, Solano doesn't have a shot. Now, I, you know. You know who I think's got the best shot? Yeah, on this you, list you think Robbie Biden? Cano's got the best it, shot? It's on this Robbie list. Cano. Robbie Cano today three for four with two home runs. The man is hitting absolutely out of his mind. I don't know what sort of lunatic would ever question what Brody Van Wagenen was thinking, bringing this incredible hitter Robbie Cano, this shutdown reliever in Edwin Diaz, over to the team for the measly cost of a couple prospects. Yeah, we we won't we don't need to go into that. <laughs> Um, my, my guess is that no one hits 400, but if I had to pick somebody, um, I am actually picking LeMayhew because he's the guy that I've seen just never slow down in a season. Blackman always goes through stretches in a season where he hits 400 and then he always tails off. So unless he can time those ups and downs perfectly, it's really hard for him. LeMayhew is legit a guy who over a 60 game stretch could like consistently hit 400. Yeah. Um, but of course, qualifying plate appearances. We're gonna have to see. Um, there, there's one guy you forgot though. Uh, I Luis Guillermo is not gonna hit <laughs> 400. You are he, 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 He's batting 468. I think the only question is, does he get to the plate appearance threshold? He's not gonna he, hit 400. He, he needs to average four plate appearances per game for the rest of the season. I don't think the Mets are gonna play him enough. But really, if he keeps in like this. He's an incredible, incredible fielder. You got to get him on the field. It is a question how you can keep him out of the lineup at that yeah. point. But by the way, Cubs wrap that up, so the Cardinals do not get the doublehead sweep as I had previously. That game's already over. I thought it was like the sixth inning, like twenty. Minutes it's a doubleheader, so it's the seventh <laughs> I, inning. I, I forgot. I yes. Forgot. Um, yeah. And let's go to a pitcher, Sam. Okay. The pitcher who's caught my eye um, and who has quite literally made me say, what is going on in this world? Dylan Bundy. We talked about him earlier. We're talking about him now. This man has a 223 FIP, and it's not like he's getting crazy lucky. His ex-FIP is 288. He's already amassed 1.1 war over four starts with a 157 ERA. And what's he doing? He's K-ing, guys. Two 10K games, an 8K game, a 7K game. This guy is and, literally... And and he's literally walking nobody. He's walking no... But that's what I'm asking. Who are you? And what have you done with the Dylan Bundy who disappointed fantasy owners for years and years and years? All right. So, I mean, I the question is, I don't know. If you look at maybe a change in strategy, he's significantly reduced the number of four-seam fastballs he's throwing. And, of course, 
ever since his Tommy John surgery, he is not. David Peralta, solo shot. D-backs, one nothing, baby. <laughs> there you go, buddy. Same time, Adam Duvall, two-run homer in the top of the ninth to make it a one-run game with the Nats. No out. So keep your eyes on that uh, one. Folks. Okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Dylan Bundy has not had a good fastball since he got hurt. Uh, of course, that was... You know, he was throwing close to 100 as a prospect, but then he got hurt, and, and the and the velocity didn't, didn't really come back. Ticked down four or five miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he sort of scrapped the fastball, and he's throwing almost completely sluggers in its place, and it's working. You know, you got to question, did, did what what were the Orioles doing yeah. with him? Uh, if, yeah. if it's really that simple, how did nobody say, look, Dylan, your fastball's crap, okay? Your slider's a pretty decent pitch. Like, I feel like anybody at any baseball analytics department in sports could have done that. Yeah, and I, I, of course we'll see if this continues. You know, pitchers can get hot all the time. But he, but he certainly looks like a different pitcher than, he, than he's been in the past. Um, yeah, so I, there, there are a couple hitters that I just want to do rapid fire on. One is the man leading the league in war right now, and that is... The grandson of Hall of Famer Carl Yastrzemski, Mike Yastrzemski. Uh, is Mike Yastrzemski good? Yeah, I, I'm going to say Mike Yastrzemski is good. I think we saw him be good last year. But Mike Yastrzemski is not great. Mike Yastrzemski is kind of like a Kevin Pillar caliber player. Um, big position player pitching right now. Logan Forsythe is taking the hill for the Marlins. And, and he's a, he's the only pitcher that Ahmed Rosario is currently able to get a hit on. That's of. right. Ahmed <laughs> finally scored one. Um, he's a good player, but he's not a great player. Um, he's definitely going to regress. But the guy's got a, a legit hit tool. Uh, he's got pretty decent pop, I think. And, uh, you know, I, I, I see many good years out of this guy. I see him as an important piece of the Giants if they're able to rebuild or an important piece of a real team when the Giants inevitably trade him. And I will say, as far as, as his prospect pedigree goes, this outcome is is incredible. Uh, yeah. Another guy who, who might be the real deal is Brandon Lau. Well, I think Brandon Lau is the real deal. I think both Brandon Lau and Nate Lowe are the real deal. But what we're seeing this year is Brandon Lau finally coming into his own. He's had stretches in the past broken up by injury where he has hit for a high average and a ton of pop and stolen some bags, played a good second base, and that's exactly what he's doing right now. I'm going to say this is real, and as long as the kid stays on the field and getting regular ABs, he's a legitimate player. Yeah, I, I think Brandon Lau is really good. Um, I mean, he's, he's got a 430 WBA now. I don't think it's going to stay that high, but expect the WBA is 451 as well, so it's, it's, not, it's not luck. There's one other guy who I think has gotten really overlooked, and he, he's out there, possible rookie of the year, coming out of nowhere, and Jake Cronworth. Uh, you know, we, we got an infield of Machado, Tatis, Eric Hosmer, and the guy with the best expected WOBA of any of them is Jake Cronworth. What? What's going on? Jake Cronenworth is... A, <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce it. Jake Cronenworth is a guy who went to Michigan... Played shortstop, hit pretty well, 338 his junior year before going in the draft. But he also pitched. He threw about 97, 96 from the hill, they say. And so he's a guy who's versatile. He can hit for average. We've seen that. He's got a ton of pop. He absolutely rakes. And I think he's legit. I think he is a real piece for these Padres. And I hate to say it, but 
he's a real, real good player. Uh, he's only got two bombs right now, but he's hitting 306. He's getting on base at a 358 clip. Good for a 950 OPS, and that's a good piece when he's playing shortstop style second base. I love that. So there, there's one more question I want to ask before we move to our power rankings. There, there are two guys, one and two in the NL MVP voting last year. The last two NL MVPs, two incredible players, Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger. Both have, have had big struggles this year, Bellinger more so than Yelich. Uh, are you worried about either one of them? And if so, and, and if you're not worried about either one of them, are you a little more worried about one of them? Yeah, so here's what I'll say is that I'm definitely more worried about Bellinger. I would agree with Because that. we've seen him have a down season, right? Yeah. His sophomore season was good, of course, but not great as Brandon Nimmo sees like his 40th pitch off of Logan <laughs> Forsythe here. Um, and I think he's like a little too heady. He's a little bit too in his own head, it seems. And in a 60-game season, I think that's just going to make him press harder to right the ship. Yeah, he's going to improve from where he's at right now, no doubt. But I think this is just going to be a down year for Bellinger. It's not going to change the fact that he is a terrific, terrific player, one of the best in baseball. Um, but and, and, and I, 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 when I was still thinking we were going to do the under twenty five rankings, I had to remind myself that Bellinger is still under twenty five. Yeah, that, that's insane. It's crazy. He's yeah. young and he's great. So am I worried about his career? No. Do I think that he's not going to have a great year this year? Yeah, I think he's kind of headed in that direction. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I'm a bit more worried about Bellinger, especially because I, I think his, uh, his, his, he has the type of swing that's maybe more slump-prone because mm-hmm. he's taking these these massive uppercut hacks um, and, and is going with the more of a high-launch angle approach than Yelich. Um so yeah, that that's our, our real or not so far. There are of course a lot of other interesting performances so far, but we we can't spend five hours talking about players. Well, if, we can, but you yeah, guys don't yeah, want to listen to you it. You guys don't want to listen to it. If you guys do have any specific players that you want to hear about, let or us that know you're just us. curious about, yeah. I mean, shout us out on Twitter, and we're gonna get you with an answer. Back, 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 back. That is a walk off home run. Dansby Swanson oh, sent man. to Daniel Hudson and the trash Washington Nationals home upset. Wow, the Braves just kept fighting, and they find a way to get the job done to dead center field in the new Turner Stadium. Um, wow. Crazy stuff going on in uh, Atlanta tonight and, of course, the socially distanced celebration to end the ballgame here. Um, so let's go into our power rankings, Sam. So we're just going top 10, so let's just go... Let's just go onesies. I have the Yankees. Wow, you have the Yankees. I have the Dodgers. Okay, because at twosies, I have the Dodgers. Yeah, so I have the Yankees at two. I mean, I think these are the two clear best teams in baseball. They're the two World Series favorites. Yeah, for me, what I've seen, though, is just that the Yankees have that shutdown ace. And for me, that puts them over the top. They've also actually hit better. They have the highest team OPS in baseball. The Dodgers have the highest or the lowest team ERA in baseball, mostly driven by their relievers. Um, but So you have two sides of the same coin here. I think they could go either way. Yeah. At three, I have the A's. I do as well. You and do, we, okay. and, and we've already talked about yeah. how, how high we are in the A's, how, how good we think they are. Uh, four, I have the Minnesota Twins. Me too. That's crazy. Uh, you said we were going to have the same picks. So I was like, I don't think we are. Yeah. Uh, the, the Twins have been really good, and... Uh, you know, I I've been ta- I had talked a lot before the season about how much I like the Twins. 
how I, I really think they were a deep team, especially in the lineup, and, and they're showing it. Like, they can rake. Uh, at five, I have the Astros. I mean, yeah, they haven't played great, but at the end of the day, like, this is still an amazing team. Their team OPS is 96. Like, we, that's not going to last. That's crazy. OPS plus. Yeah. OPS plus, sorry. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I have the Astros seven, but I, I will say, like, if I was ranking teams in baseball, I'd, I'd probably still put them at five, but I wanted to go with, like, some blend of, of performance so far. Uh, but I will say if Verlander doesn't make it back, like I am pretty worried about them as a playoff team. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think their rotation gets thin quick. Um, but they, they still have a lot of talent there and their bullpen is played pretty well. So we'll have to see, but without Verlander, I do worry about them as well. Um, my five was, was the Cubs. Um, I thought your five was the Astros. No, I said I had them at seven. Oh, you have them at seven. I'm sorry. Okay. Your five was the Cubs. Wow. Yeah, I think the Cubs... I have the Cubs at seven. Oh, wow. So we so we interchanged them. The Cubs have looked really good, and the pitching's looked surprisingly good. You, you... But the bullpen has looked bad, and it scares me because I don't think all their pitching will last. Kyle Hendricks will last. Chatwood already hasn't lasted. He's done. You Darvish will probably last. You Darvish really looks insane. He looks really and, good. and it's really it's really continued from like the second half last year. Yeah, right? that's why I'm so yeah. confident that yeah. he's going to continue that way. So I think they're a great team, but I wouldn't put them over the Astros or the people I have at six, which are the Rays. I have the Rays at six okay. as well. And, and yeah, the Rays are a great team. Yeah, they are. Um, and then I have the Cubs at seven, as I mentioned. You have the Astros. At eight, I have the Indians, which was tough for me because, and stay seated for this, Sam. Their team OPS plus is 74. Yeah, they're they're the second worst hitting team in baseball right now. But And and this is what worried me so much about them. Of course. But what have they shown? But Jose Ramirez does look good again. Yes, Which is important. What have they shown year in and year out? That they can win ball games without hitting the ball somehow. I don't know because I think it's a prerequisite to win a game you must score a run, but it sometimes feels like they win games where they didn't score a run. And honestly, I think that they can continue to do this. Well, uh, I, I actually didn't have the Indians in my top 10. Uh, I, and I will say that the fact that I don't know how long Plesak and Clevenger are not going to be pitching for them played into that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my eight was the Braves. Yeah, uh, you know their pitching staff is a bit of a nightmare. Uh, Without like, Soroka, Max Fried though has looked legit. He's yeah, looked he really good. Um, but like it's Max Fried and nobody else basically. And I have the Braves at nine. Um, but you know their lineup just so good, and I'm and I am assuming that it's not going to be long out for Acuna and Albert. Right. But Dansby Swanson, and, and and I think when we did our NLEs preview, you were high on him, and I was giving you some flack for it. But yeah, but I've been totally wrong. Like. Like, he's looked really good. Yeah, he's looked really good. He's definitely turned that corner. Um, and I, I like them also. I have them at nine. I think they're still going to win that division. I had them at the beginning of the season. Um, at ten, this Wait, one— I, I got to give my number oh, nine. Oh, I'm sorry. My number nine is the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, my God. You're just ruffling feathers. And I— Unintended. I, you know, we talked about how they have legit been playing good baseball this year. I— you know, I don't actually think they're a top ten team in baseball, but I, you know, if I'm giving some mix of how well teams have played so far and, and their potential, and which their is potential what, which is what power yeah. should be, and maybe I'm, I, I just want to give them a little reward for just coming out of totally yeah. nowhere. And let me tell you, 
that is, I heard, I've heard that that's what was fueling them in this little run they've had, is that Brandon Hyde got him in that dugout every day and said, if you guys want to make the Alonzo Betts first top 10 power ranking, oh, wow. you have to light a fire. you so, got to go uh, play. Orioles fans, uh, you can write us thank you notes. Yes, we'll and take we do, them. And we'll, we'll take donations as well. We sure will. Um, we'll also take liking and subscribing on your favorite podcasting uh, network. We are on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, you name it, Google Play, Google Podcasts, we're doing it. Um, feel free to reach out to us at the Alonzo Bet on Twitter or the Alonzo Bet at gmail.com. And with that long awaited drum roll, we have a final time. We have number 10. Who you got? I got the Cardinals. I know it's a super small sample size, but I'm just really impressed with the way they came back. I, of course, think that their chances of making the playoffs now are better than they were uh, when they were playing a 60 game season. And uh, I, I like the Cardinals here. Okay, I, I sort of didn't even think of them as an option. Mm. Uh, but I went with the Padres. That's just an awful pick. It, it's not. The Padres are the worst team in baseball. I, I think the Padres are... Awful. Kirby Yates, by the way, 10-day IL. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he already wasn't closing games. Drew Pomeranz has already saved four games this season. I think the Padres have a really good lineup. I love to make fun of Eric Hosmer, but he's finally decided to hit the ball in the air. I'm so mad about it. Eric Hosmer killing the D-backs and, this season. And, and, it's, and he's looked really good doing it. So like now they have this in, infield of Hosmer, Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., who, who's like the best player in baseball. Who's right insane. Yeah. And um, Cronenworth. <laughs> and Cronenworth. So that, Their catching situation is an absolute nightmare. If you've watched Francisco Mejia... And you've ever caught a game in your life, you're going to have a heart attack. But the thing is, he also can't hit. So I don't know what he's still doing in the lineup. But, um, but then, then the, the other thing I want to say about the Padres, and this was a guy who I was touting the entire offseason. Mm-hmm. Danielson Lamette. Mm-hmm. I don't Stud. want to I, 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 I Ace. Have, I have no comment on Danielson Lamette's performance this season because it's, it's an extremely touchy and upsetting subject for me, Sam. He's good. He has pitched well. I will say the fact <laughs> and no opinions. Um, so that rounds out our top 10 power rankings, folks. And is this going to change during the season, do you think, Sam? Yeah, of course. Of, of course. course. Yeah. So you guys need to stay tuned because as we go down, uh, we're going to get more and more interesting team names on this list probably. And we're going to get a clearer and clearer picture I think, of how I the think, playoffs are I think by out. game 60, you'll probably see the New York Mets in the number one spot. Yeah, and I think by game end of the World Series, you'll probably see the D-backs hoisting the trophy, but we're just going to have to see. Um, I, I, I'd rather the Mets get to number one in the Alonzo Bet power rankings than, uh, than host a World Series. Trophy. See, and that's the difference between <laughs> yeah. you and I as fans. Man. Yeah. Um, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Uh, as always, please reach out to us if you want to hear something, have any questions, want to start a little Twitter dialogue. We're always available at the Alonzo Bet and thealonzobet at gmail.com. Of course, don't forget to comment, like, subscribe, all of those great things. And next, we're going to be coming to you under 25 probably. I'm sure there's going to be some fantasy news swirling around now that we've kind of gotten back up to date with baseball. Yeah, and, and, of course, and, and our uh, our fantasy football season is approaching as well. And this uh-oh. is a fantasy sport that I actually do play. Aaron and I are, are in the league together with, with some people from our – from our graduate program at school, so we'll be coming to you with news about that. This is true. This is absolutely true. Um, And so with that, thank you guys for coming, signing off. For the Alonzo Bet, I'm Aaron. And I'm Sam. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.